Welcome. It's good to see you all here. You guys are all sitting back, way back there. I feel like I need to come down here. No, this is, I'm glad you're here, and it's so good to see visitors here. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, today is a special day, right? So many of you are here in support of those who are we're doing baby dedication today. Um, I invite you to turn to Psalm 127 um, for, for the message text this morning. I was thinking about the last couple weeks already. I, we missed last Sunday. We couldn't be here last Sunday um, for the baby dedication. And I'm, I'm a sentimental guy, so baby dedication, those types of things, I love those. They, they give us such a beautiful picture. Um, so it really, I missed not being here last Sunday. And I was thinking about baby dedication event this Sunday. Um, but also, even further that, we talked Wednesday night about our, the children in our church, the junior youth and, and the children, how we can invest in them. And so I thought this morning, probably the best thing I could do is give all of you parents like five easy steps to being successful parents. Because it's that simple, right? I see some of you laughing. You know, that's a, absolutely not. If only parenting were that simple, right? Um, Parenting is a hard journey, but today I am going to talk to us as parents. Um, and I told my wife, I almost bailed on this sermon yesterday because it's probably the most intimidating sermon or anything I've ever talked about. Because if there's anything that we face in life that we go through, for us as parents, that reveal how human, how fragile, and how broken we are, it's our parenting journey, right? And so I see that in myself um, but still, our children are so valuable. And I, as we think about baby dedication, one of the things that I think about is, so in essence, we're telling God, look here, this child is a gift from you, and we're giving him back to you. But sometimes I think maybe we, maybe we need to turn it a little bit and make it a commissioning of the parents. Because that child that you're holding... Every, every one of us that have children here today, that is an eternal soul that's going to live on for eternity, and your influence in that child's life is going to be one of the biggest factors in where that child ends up spending eternity. And so this morning, Mike worked his magic. I, I wanted this up here so bad, and I couldn't figure out how to do it, and Mike back there worked his magic and got that up there. I want to talk about... Our children are like arrows. So if you're in Psalm 127, this is probably a pretty familiar psalm. Um, I'd like to go ahead and read it. Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to rest, go to late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of a womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So the main part of it, what I want to share is just simply in, in verse 4. I don't know, this, this psalm was written by Solomon. If you think about it, it sounds a little bit like Solomon's Ecclesiastes, the first couple of verses there. But I wondered, how many of you want to take parenting advice from a guy who had 700 wives? 
It's like, seriously? Um, but, but Solomon here gives us a beautiful word picture of what our children are. Our children are like arrows, he says, in the hands of a warrior. <clears throat> so you as a parent, wouldn't it be great if you got a practice round before you actually had to dive into it? And I was, as I thought about that, I, bet, I was like, I bet every firstborn in here is going to say, yeah, I was the practice round, right? <laughs> See a big smile down front here. So there, there is no such thing as getting a practice round in your parenting. It's something that you're thrown into and you learn along the way. So I want to draw simply five lessons from basically from verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5 for us today. And these aren't, there's not going to be anything new, there's not going to be anything flack, it's simply reminders for us as parents. So, and if you're here today, and I recognize there's many of us here today who are not parents, you also have influence in the lives of our children and the children of our church, our church family here. So, don't minimize that. First of all, children are a blessing. In verse 5, he said, Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. I don't know how many of you, maybe this is from when we were young and we're having our children is there's always these debates about what your quiver, how many your quiver should hold. I mean, people would get all animated and, and upset and up in the air about how many, how many your quiver should have. So we're not going to go there either. Whatever your quiver holds, that makes you complete. That means your family's complete. That's how God designed your family. But he says children are a blessing, and the KJV actually translates it happy. Happy are you if you got your children, if your quiver full of them. And if you'd be sending it in a text, the way it, the word is defined, you'd spell happy and then a whole bunch of exclamation points behind it. That's the, the gist of the message. It's you're like super happy. This is how happy you are with the lives that you've been blessed with in your home with your children. So they're a blessing, they're not a burden. But can we at least be real enough? To admit that it doesn't always feel that way? How many of you have had your patience pushed to the absolute limits? And how many times have you blown it? How many times have you been pushed to the, to the limit and you've blown it, totally blown it as a parent? I don't know how, how about how it is in your homes, but I find that it's often, it's times like when it's time for bed that suddenly your children are starving and they're thirsty it's like you haven't fed them all day. Or you're at someone's place and you are for sure when like small group gets together or whatever and you have, you have a meal, there's food out the whole evening and when it's time to go, all of a sudden they're hungry. They're thirsty. They got to get something for the road. You know what I'm talking about. So, so it, 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 it tries your patience. But let me tell you this, and I believe this with my whole heart, that you have no greater ministry in your life than that of your children. It's not your only ministry. It's not your only ministry, but I believe that the greatest ministry in your life as a parent is that of your children. You see, because one day, one day your children are going to open up the Bible and they're going to read a passage 
that sounds like this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. The picture of a loving father. Or they're going to read, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down and fed them. A picture of a nurturing mother. How you influence your children is going to have a direct impact how those truths are received. And I carry that heavily as a father because how I minister, how I speak to my children is going to have a direct impact on how they relate to God as their Heavenly Father. So your first ministry, I am convinced, needs to be to your children. I'm not talking about perfection, okay? And I'll talk more about that later because I don't think our children need perfection. Um, back when I was first licensed, <clears throat> I had a mentor call me up and he, he, he told me something along these lines. He said, you can accomplish great things in ministry, but if you lose the hearts of your children in the process, it will make a mockery of your ministry. Now take that, you can apply that to every area of your life. You can be the greatest businessman, you can be the greatest teacher, whatever it is that you do. But if we miss the hearts of our children in the process, I fear we've missed our calling as parents. So your children are a blessing and they're your first line of ministry. So I ask you this morning, I ask myself, do your children know that they're a blessing to you? Do they know it? Don't just assume that they know it. Secondly, I now realized I was going to bring an arrow along and I forgot. Arrows are molded. So the next, the last four points here are about arrows. Arrows are molded or they're shaped. So if you go down here to, you can go down here to Kidron Sports or Miller Gun, wherever you want to go, and you need to get an arrow, you'll get an arrow that is ready to go. So it's already, the shaft has been rounded, perfected, it's all shaped, it's got the knock on, the fletching, everything's on, it's ready to go. Wouldn't it be nice if children came like that sometimes? But what you don't see, what we don't see, is somewhere along the lines, someone was shaping that arrow. Someone had to shape, if it's a wooden arrow, I've, I used to follow guys who were traditional hunters, and I used to want to be one, I used to shoot a recurve, because I wanted to be a traditional hunter, I never did anything with it, but guys who would make their own arrows and make their own bows, carving it out of wood, perfecting that arrow, shaping it, or if an arrow is made out of aluminum, now they're made out of carbon fiber and plastics. But all those things, whatever the arrow was made of, it had to be shaped into the form of an arrow. One of the greatest privileges, but also responsibilities that we'll ever face, for sure as parents, is the opportunity to shape our children. Yes, our children come with 
genetic dispositions, right? There's things that are children that there are children physically because that they have because they are our children. But things like how they think, how they learn to process, what they believe, all those things you and I are given the responsibility to teach and to shape and to mold, to mold them. And it doesn't just happen for us as parents. Here's where it broadens out into the bigger church family. I wonder how many of you can think back and remember Sunday school teachers that you had when you were a child. I can clearly remember teachers sitting in the room, certain rooms downstairs, certain teachers that had a big impact on my life. Um, Wednesday, evening, Wednesday evening classes that we used to have as a kid, when I was 12 to 14, I had, I had people, and I can distinctly remember who they were, who dramatically and directly shaped who I've become. And it wasn't because everything they taught, I, I probably remember very little about what they taught, but I remember that they cared. We mattered to them, and that's what stood out. So it's not just our parents, it's what we do here as a church family that impacts, that shapes the lives of our children. <clears throat> we shape, our children are shaped and molded like an arrow with our words, right? Our words is how we teach them, it's how we shape them. Our children are constantly bombarded with messages about who they should be, about how they should look, about what is valuable or sh- they should value in their lives. You and I are called to shape that by our teaching. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I wonder how many of us, for sure as fathers, wrestle or struggle with having family worship time. I do, okay? It's not easy. And I want to, I want to be careful how I say this because I believe it is very, very important But we can also fall into the trap where we say, okay, so we sit down, now we read two verses and we pray together, my job's done. What if we took a much bigger approach to our teaching of our children? What if we took an approach something like this? You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So your family worship, I think, falls right into that, but it's not just when you sit down and have your family worship. Our teaching and our molding happens throughout the whole day. When we sit down, when we rise up, when we're going throughout our day. Look how Jesus did this with his disciples. These opportunities are in front of us all the time for simply paying, paying attention to him and being aware of him. Jesus walk, I mean, they're walking along, they see a bird and Jesus used that as a, as a description of how God provides for the birds. They don't stress out. Or the lilies of the field, you know that. God takes way more care of us for us than that. So Jesus would walk with his disciples and he would teach them along the way. Because <clears throat> here's the thing. If you don't teach your children, someone else is going to. If you don't talk to your children about the hard things in life, if you don't talk to your children about their sexuality, if you don't talk to them about pornography, about how love and relationships work, 
someone else is going to. And I can assure you that it's probably not going to be the message that you want them to receive. And so that is our call, is to teach those things to our children with our words. We're surrounded by teachable moments. Let's capitalize on them. But not only by our words, but by our actions. Someone, someone I'm not sure who, who is the original guy who said this, but it, I think it's so true, says that when children are little, they do what their parents say. But when they're older, they do what their children do, or their parents do. Right? I think there's a lot of truth in that. There's this crazy thing that you, we've probably all heard is do as I say, not as I do. That's just the craziest thing you can ever tell anyone because that's not going to work. They're going to do what you do. And your words only matter if your actions follow it up. So you can say, this is what we value as a family, but if your actions don't follow it up, then is it really what you value in your family? Your actions will tell you how you handle your money, how you spend your time. Those things that are actions will tell you and tell your children what you value. One of the greatest gifts that you can give to your children is simply your presence. Your presence. Your children, again, do not need to see perfection, but they do need to see consistency between what we say and what we do. So our children are molded just like arrows. Thirdly, arrows must be aimed. Arrows must be aimed. Here's another thing that's interesting about arrows. You can buy arrows in just about every shape and size that you want. Crossbow bolts are shorter. And for every bow, you have to have an arrow that's specifically built for that bow. Arrows come with, some with real feathers on them for fletching, some with synthetic feathers, some with plastic, some are long, some are short. Some have different broadheads. How many different broadheads can you buy? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's almost overwhelming if you go out to look. There's so many different ones, and they all say they're the best, right? But my point is there, there are so many different kinds of arrows, but you know what is the same? There's only one target. There can only be one target. An arrow is to be aimed, and you can never aim an arrow at more than one object. There can only be one target. And no matter what that arrow is made of, or no matter what that arrow looks like, it is made for the same purpose. And your children come in all shapes and sizes, personalities, gifts, strengths, passions, but they all need to be aimed at one place. So I ask you today, what are you aiming at? What am I aiming at? What am I aiming at as a parent? As a, uh, as a parent? What are we aiming at for our children as a church? Because whatever, we're aiming at something, whether we're intentional or know it or not. We're aiming at something. May I suggest this, that the greatest goal in our lives as parents should be our simply to point our children to Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. 
Jesus said you should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All this other stuff that we tend to aim at will be taken care of when we keep our focus and our aim on Jesus first. So the greatest aim, I believe, must be for us as parents to point them to Jesus, and we're going to do this so imperfectly. And obviously our children have a choice with what they do. But our aim as parents should always be to seek, to aim at Jesus. And here again, they have voices telling them over and over and over again, We do as parents what we should be doing with our children, where we should be spending their time. But we must parent, I believe, from an eternal perspective because if we point them to Jesus, anything else that they accomplish in life, if it's without Jesus, Solomon would say it's vain. So you have a bullseye in your home that you are aiming for. What is that bullseye? Or maybe better yet, Our children are honest. What would your children say is the bullseye that you're aiming for? Would they say they say the most important thing to you is that they make straight A's? Or that they take the family business and take it to whole new levels? Or that they make the soccer team? What is it that you are making the bullseye in your home? Joshua said it so well. We know the verse so well. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? That last part, every one of us is saying something. We're all saying, but as for me and my house, and we're ending it with something. You can't not end that sentence. May we, as parents, would we take a stand And say that whatever comes, no matter what comes, Jesus and seeking his kingdom is first in our homes. All right, the last two are really short, I promise. Arrows can go, number four, arrows can go where you cannot go. Think about the strategic use of an arrow in a battle. He's talking, this is, he's using language of war because it's the arrows in the hands of a warrior. And an arrow can go up over a wall. Right? A well-aimed arrow can go through a small little hole in the wall and penetrate into the en- enemy, enemy f- fortress where you can never go. What if we believe that about our children? That they can go into places where we can never, ever go. Perhaps, <clears throat> perhaps we need to dream bigger dreams for our children. Sometimes I think we just aim or dream, don't dream big enough for our kids. Because our children will have opportunities to affect our culture and the generations that are coming, their generations and the generations following them in ways that you and I can never connect with. And so we equip them because they can go where you and I can never go. Think about how they, our children use technology. They're like I mean, as three years old, they can find their way through stuff that I can hardly figure out, can't figure out. There's ways that they can use that 
to reach culture, to reach people for Jesus that you and I can't accomplish, can't go, where we can't go. So the children of this church, I believe, will have opportunities to advance the gospel in ways that you and I never can. God has a call for every child in our homes, every child in our church. God has a call in their lives. I believe we need to dream big and allow God to take that call, to take them where they need to go. Because if, a children, if a, an arrow is going to go places where you cannot go, that brings me to the last point, we have to release. An arrow is only, only serves its purpose when it's released. An arrow that's stuck in the quiver serves no purpose in the battle. An arrow that's held in the bow and even drawn back is only that. But it's only as that arrow is released that it becomes effective for its mission. And this is, this is not an easy task, I'm telling you, for, for us as parents. But our children are not meant to stay tucked into the, in the safety of the quiver. Everything in us wants to hang on to it, wants to keep them there. That's not where they're meant to be stay, to be to be kept. An arrow is only useful when it's released. We look at our world today. The future for our children, we think, is it's scary. It's dark. All the more reason for us to send arrows out to penetrate the darkness. I mean, I've heard of people who are saying the way the world is going, they're not going to have children because because they, they fear for what their children are going to have to face. Years ago, I heard someone, someone say this because we, we talk about, I've heard that for generations already, okay? We're not the first parents to say that. But every generation that comes, God uniquely equips to face the things that they're going to face in this world. So we don't have to sit here living in fear with, about what our children will face because God has and will equip them. Our call as parents is to release them so that they can reach and accomplish their full potential, whatever that may look like. I had to think, I was going to ask Tim, he's not here anymore, but I believe a number of years ago, Tim's sister was in Iraq. Anyone know? I think I'm right on that. I think it was Tim's sister, right? Okay, yeah. Scary place. Would you let your children go? I, I wonder what was that like for Randy and Irene. I wonder what would that like be like for me. Yeah, it's scary. But when we parent, when we're looking at it from an eternal perspective, and we're teaching our children that what matters the most is Jesus and eternity, it ch- totally changes how we view the life right here and right now. We don't want them only to come to Jesus so that they'll be in heaven with us one day, but we want to turn them to Jesus so that the life they live now will be effective and will reach and touch people in ways and places that you can never reach. Sometimes I wonder if our efforts to protect our children, and I'm talking to myself, can actually hinder God's ability to use them. So our arrows are meant to be released, and that's our children. So in conclusion... Parenting is a huge responsibility, 
but it's a tremendous, tremendous privilege. And part of me just wants to say, relax. You got this, right? I said early on that our children do not need perfection. As you mold your arrows, as you aim your arrows, and as you release your arrows to go where you cannot go, remember this. God's grace is sufficient. You can do as much right as you want, but at the end of the day, you release them, and God's grace is what carries them. And so we release them to God's grace, and they do not, their children do not need to see perfection in you. So what do they need to see? Ask your children, what is it that they need from you? I tried it last night. I was like, okay, so if we're, not, we're not perfect, okay? There's no way that you're going to be perfect. I can't be. So I asked our children, what, what is it that they need to see from us as parents? Here's are just, these are some words that came, and you can add to them. Your children would give you different ones. They need to see something that's real. They need affirmation. They need inspiration. They need admonition and support, encouragement. And probably above all else, they need to know that they're loved unconditionally. A long time ago, I heard someone, and I'll end with this. I heard someone say that they tell their children, I love you because you're mine. Not because of what you've done or what you might do or you will do, but because you belong. I love you because you're mine. That brings security and strength to our children. So as you go and as you parent, bless you guys tremendously. Shoot the arrows straight. Aim them well. And God will bless what your, your efforts. I, I'm convinced of that. Marcus, you want to stand or should you just stay sitting? Just stay sitting. I'll have a word of prayer. Oh, and then I'll turn it over to Marcus here. God, thank you for every child that is here today, every child that's a part of this church family. And God, as we look at our children and as we mold them, as we shape them, as we send them off to accomplish things that we could never dream of accomplishing ourselves. You said that we should pray, and we pray for our children today that you would accomplish, do, do things abundantly above all that we could ever even ask or think in the lives of our children. Your plan and your purpose for them is greater than anything that we can ever imagine, and we release them, we give them to you to accomplish that purpose for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.